I guess you can say it's my niece because it's my niece's baby, so it's my niece, so it's my niece. So whatever way you want to look at it, I welcome all of my family from Vineland. Thank them for coming this morning. We're so glad you're with us. Amen. We welcome you to Christ Center Church. Pray for us to get a building because you can see God is doing something special. And we just want to continue to seek his will and continue to do his will. Amen. Hallelujah. Cheryl, I just got to tell you, when, when we try to go and get closer to God, the enemy will attack us. That's just really what's happening in your life. You know, Cheryl came to prayer this yesterday. She made up in her mind. She drove herself. Her husband was here earlier for a men's meeting, and instead of him going back home and get her, she got in her car and drove to say, I'm going to prayer meeting. And because she went to prayer meeting, here comes the enemy attacking her body. But we know that our God is able, he's capable, he's our healer, he's our deliverer, and we put our trust in him. I know sometimes it's it's a challenge to, to move from where we are to get closer to God, but listen, nothing that's worth having is going to be easy. Nothing worth having will be easy. It won't be easy to get a great relationship with God. I once heard an elder said, if you live for God easy, it will be hard. If you live for God hard, it will be easy. So once you make yourself become accustomed to living that life of Christ, that that life that's obedient to the will of God, and it becomes consistent in your life, then it's easy. You just do it because that's what you do. That's who you are. But when we try to figure out, should I do this or should I do that or should I go here or should I do this, then now you begin to make it hard for yourself because you're constantly figuring out what you need to do when all we just need to do is just yield and say, Jesus, do whatever you want to do in my life. And so we just continue to hold Cheryl up in prayer. And all of you, we hold you up in prayer because we want God's will to be done in your life. I've been feeling, I can't tell you, I've been feeling... And I prayed for it, so I guess I'm understanding what it is. I said, God, get rid of any burdens that I have, and I want your burden in my life. And I can't tell you, I, I can sense it. I can sense it because it, it's the, 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 what God will reveal to you that's happening, it, does not, not, it, it, it just breaks you. It just causes you to just reach out to him because what needs to be done in all of our lives, only God can do it. What needs to be done in every one of our lives, only God can do it. And unfortunately, we, 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 we don't realize it or we don't give God the opportunity to do what he needs to do in our life. And sometimes we don't realize what God wants to do. So, I want you to hear what I have to say today, and uh, hopefully it will help you to get closer to God. Colossians chapter 1, if you will stand with me for the reading of the Word of God, we'll start in verse 1, and we will read from verse 1 through 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, the scripture says in verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. One more scripture, Colossians chapter 2. We'll just go up the page a little further up. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. And the scripture says in verse 12, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who had raised him from the dead. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Before most of us, most of us in here today, before most of us knew about Jesus Christ, who he is, and we knew anything about heaven. Before we knew about Jesus Christ, who he is, and anything about heaven, all we knew was the things around us. Some of us still only know about the things around us. All we understand and relate to is the things around us, the the things that we associate with every day, the things that we come in contact with every day, and how we govern our life each and every day. That's what we know when we don't know about Jesus Christ, when we don't know about heaven, all we can relate to is our surroundings, our circumstance, the life that has been experienced. 
established in and around us. Take, for instance, today children that are born. <laughs> Aria. Aria is born in the age where she's going to be introduced to technology, where she's going to in- be introduced to social media. And so the things that she's going to grow up in, she, some of us will never understand, but she will understand. The great thing about God is he, he, he brings children into the world and equip them for the time that they were born. And so children come out of the womb knowing how to work cell phones. Children come out of the womb knowing how to work a tablet or iPad. Children come out of the womb and knowing how to get on the internet and do things like that because God has already equipped them. If we don't believe God is real, we better think again because how is it possible that when you were born you had no idea how to work a phone when you were born you had no idea how to get on the internet but now today the children are born and right away they come out nobody taught them they just know how to do it because there's a god and and before we was even formed in our mother's womb that god has already established and put into us what we will be and what we will have in us your passions and everything about you god already put it in you before you was even born before you came out of the womb and so our surroundings before we knew anything about god before we know anything about heaven our surroundings will dictate and kind of guide and fashion who we are as a people and so today you are who you are because of your surroundings depending on where you were born you will learn different kind of habits you will learn different kind of ways of governing your life and so the bottom line is all of us will be affected by the world that we live in and when we live in this world whether it be the world in this country of the United States of America or in Africa or in Australia or in somewhere in Europe wherever we were born and raised that culture will have an effect in our life that culture will dictate a little bit of who we have become because that's just the way life is. And so who you are today have a lot to do with how what you were introduced to as a child, how you were raised as a child, what was surrounding you, what what are the things that you were able to come in contact with? How did you get raised? when you were a kid and where you are today. And so I'm going to help you to understand some principles that God had said that we better do if we want to be able to get to heaven. And so today I want to entitle this message, Who is Getting Your Affection? Who is Getting Your Affection? Because as we have learned to, 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 to live in the surroundings and the atmosphere that we live in, we begin to grow and we begin to be drawn in by the different things. And why are we drawn in by the different things in our life where we end up giving our affection to? It's not always a who, but it can be a it or what. But but our surroundings will kind of dictate that. And so some people, if you grew up in a situation where there was lots of poverty, you will either stay in poverty or spend the rest of your life trying to get rich. Because you either didn't like that situation or you, you liked it a lot, so you stayed in that situation. But where and how and the environment that you were raised in will dictate what you will become. And so God knew that from the very beginning that if we were raised in a situation that we weren't being taught the word of God, where we weren't, weren't, weren't being instructed in the ways of God, then we're going to grow up and we will be a people that will not be godly. We will be affiliated with God, but we won't be godly people. And the only way we become godly is if we were raised in a godly home. We were taught the principles of God when we were being raised. And we were in a community that put God first. And that's what will shape our life if we were raised in that environment. I don't know how many of us in here today was raised in an environment where God was always being taught in the home. You were always being taught how to pray. You were always listening to the the songs of of, of Christian songs. You were always being told about 
about how good God is and what God can do. And you are going to church two and three times a week. If you were raised in that kind of home, then maybe you were living for God today. But most of us weren't. And so because most of us were not raised like that, we have become who we have become. It's not your fault why you become what you become. It's not your fault why you don't go to church as much. It's not your fault why you're not dedicated to God. It's just where you were raised. Baby girl was brought into this life. She didn't ask to come here. None of us asked to come here. Whoever got together, whatever man and woman got together to get us here, we just got here. Nobody, none of us say, God, will you pick me to go into the earth? Nobody did that. So all of us are living because that's what we were introduced to. So depending on what you got exposed to and taught to, you, you were taught that's what you have become. But we got a great God, a gracious God. And so he is just so loving and kind. He knew that and he understand that kind of situation. And so he had to intervene. But before he intervened, the Bible talks about that when we are brought up in this kind of world, in this kind of environment, the Bible tells us for all that is in this environment, all that is all around us, the Bible calls it this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So what am I telling you today? Our world does not give us an opportunity to live for God. Our world is not teaching us and pushing us towards God. Our world is just catering to what we want. Listen, our phones, cell phones, and, and when we get on the internet, they study our pattern of the websites we go to. And so what they do is they begin to send ads. As soon as you log on, here comes some ads about the things that you first inquired about a couple weeks ago. So they trail you to see what you're doing all the time on the Internet to make sure they keep giving you what you are desiring. And so our world is set up to cater to what we want. Our world is being guided by the spirit of Satan to say, keep feeding them what they want to keep their mind off of God. Keep giving them the things that will distract them from God. And so when we get on the Internet and when we get on our phones, it's always something to distract us from God, to lead us in a different direction from God. And so that's where we are in life is we are being distracted and we're going in different ways from where God wants us to go. It ain't your fault, but I'm glad you're here. God going to tell you today how you need to go about business from now on. That's that's what's going on. And so the Bible says that everything about this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of God. And so we're living our life not of God. Listen, alcoholic can't get treated if he or she don't admit that they're alcoholic. If, if, if you don't admit that you have sickness and you need to go to the doctor, then you never get healed and you die. If you don't admit that there's a problem with something, then the problem never gets rectified. We walk around and act like there's no problem. And guess what? The problem will continue to get worse and worse if we don't handle it. What is the lust of the flesh? Any sort of selfish greedy cravings simply to satisfy one's physical desires in rebellion against God is considered the lust of the flesh. So anything you desire in a physical sense that is against God is wrong. Don't get quiet on me now. The lust of the flesh. I don't have to get into all the details of the lust of the flesh. I'm just telling you, when we have fleshly desires, I'll just give you a really easy one. We like to eat. I like to eat. So we all lumped into this. Tomorrow, people are going to cook out, do whatever you do, and we're going to overeat sometimes. What makes you overeat? Your, your, your desires. Say, I want to eat some more. Man, I just ate, but that looked good. Remember the last time I had something going on over my house, right? And so, folks, I think they had eight and everybody was good. And I cooked the steak, cooked the steak up real good. Everybody was like, I don't eat steak, I'm good. That's just not my thing. But they were all full, they was good. Then I cut the steak. Somebody tried it, Zion. Ooh, 
I like this steak. I don't usually eat steak, but I eat Wayne steak now. <laughs> now, they were full because they ate a lot of jerk chicken. They ate a lot of this and a lot of that. They were full, but they started eating steak. Because our flesh says, I want to eat some more because I want that. That, that. That's a thing that you wanted. That's a thing that you desired. That's a thing that you wanted that was not going to profit you because you was already full and you were doing all right. So that's, that's the lust of the flesh. You want, you want the, the flesh to, to desire whatever it wants. You want to give it to it. Can I tell you your worst enemy is not Satan? Oh, somebody preaching with me this morning. You are your worst enemy. It's not Satan. The Bible says when we become true, dedicated Christians, we have authority and power over Satan. We can use the name of Jesus and command him to leave us. And so we got power over him if we walk with God. The Bible says, submit ye therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. People are telling the devil, "Go, you got to go, devil. But guess what? They never submitted to God. You can only cause Satan to leave you if you submit first to God because you don't have the power, you don't have the authority, but God has the power. God has the authority. So when you link up and connect up with God, you tell the devil what God says and he got to listen. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. So we are worst enemy. It's not the devil. So we got to get that taken care of. Lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. Listen to this. Eve wanted the fruit that was pleasing to her eyes. We know the story. Achan, for some of you that don't know about Achan, Achan saw the beautiful robe from Babylon and the silver and gold, and he took it. And David saw a beautiful woman bathing and wanted her. That's lust of the eyes. We see things. Our eyes get us in trouble all the time. So, this is a bigger crowd tonight, today, than what we have in Bible study, but I'm going to say it too, because I'm not ashamed of my game. Anton, I tell people, I don't mess with the beach no more. I don't go to the beach no more. Why I don't go to the beach? Because I don't want these to be looking around like this. Yo, 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 yo. That's why I don't go to the beach. Now, here's real talk. You ready for real talk? Some people are sexual and some are not. I'm a sexual kind of guy for my wife alone. Yeah, yeah I'm done. Don't worry about all that stuff. I'm talking real talk. Y'all can keep playing games if you want. I'm, 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 I'm really affectionate. You know, come on, touch me. You know, let, you know, let's have a good time. And so because that's me, I don't put myself in predicament to stray. Ah. Uh, uh. I remember my wife told me one time, go pick the kids up from the pool. I said, nope. And she thought I was being mean. I wasn't being mean. I was just trying to take care of these eyes. I don't watch things with these eyes that can get me going in the wrong direction. I don't watch things with these eyes that make me start wondering and make me want to go back to where I came from. God brought me from a long way from being a sleeping around and being a whore and not being right. He brought me from then. I don't want to go back that way. I want to please God. I'm watching myself. I'm watching what these eyes look at. And that's why the Bible says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. We got to be careful. We don't realize whatever we let in is what begins to work in our mind and our heart. So if you let some things in, you begin to crave those things. Whatever you let in there, that's what you desire. And we're wondering why we're struggling. saying, man, why I can't get the victory over this? You got to realize what you're doing. You're letting things in to your heart, into your life that is going to continue to provoke you. Won't you go do that? You might as well go satisfy the flesh. So the eyes work and then the flesh says, yeah. The eyes pick up on something and the flesh says, yeah, go ahead, man. I want that. So we got to be careful what we see and we got to be careful what we allow the flesh to have control over in our life. We can't let our flesh tell us everything the flesh wants. That's why I say you are your worst enemy. Your flesh tell you what you want. And he said, yeah, I like that. Let me get that. And here's how it go. The Bible says we are drawn away by our own lust. 
So here's how Satan set us up, because he don't have no power. Remember I told you, if you, you connected to God, you got authority over Satan. So here's how Satan do us. He knew what your father like, your mother like, your grandmother, your grandfather, and go all the way back. He know what the family like. So check it out. He know if your daddy was a drinker. And so if your daddy was a drinker from a babe, he keep putting in your mind, drinking is good. Nothing wrong with drinking. It's good to be socially, you know, drink a little cocktail and, you know, drink a little something. It's all right. And he knows that your grandfather or your father or your great-grandfather had a problem with alcohol. He knows that you just don't know that because you might not have met your great-great-grandfather. And so you looking like, hey, no big deal here. You know, what's wrong with a little drink here, a little drink there? And before you know it, you can't stop drinking because the devil will begin to entice you. And so when you get enticed, you, you try it. And when you try it, now you're starting to just allow it to have control in your life. And before you know it, you're trying to get away from something that you know is destroying you. You don't know how to. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know I shouldn't be living this way. But you can't can't get away from it because it didn't just get there. It took its time and weaved its way into your life. And before you know it, you was entangled with it and you couldn't untangle yourself. And the only way you can get untangled is when you cry out to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to act like that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's when Jesus will come and he will deliver you. But on Until you get tired, until you said, I don't want to do this anymore, you can't get unentangled. When we get entangled with things that is trying to destroy our life, oh, buddy, it's hard to untangle yourself. Because it was set there to destroy you. It was set there to lead you away from God and cause you to spend eternity with the devil. Misery love company. You ever heard that? The devil is miserable. He is in misery. Can you imagine living a life that you know no matter what you do, if the devil decides today to be good, he still can't go to heaven. And me and you, we still have that choice as long as we breathe in. We still have a choice to make a decision to follow God and go to heaven. The devil, no matter what he does, he can't go to heaven. So he's miserable. And he says, I'm going to try to take as many as y'all with me. Oh, yes. Oh, you, I'm going to get you to come with me. As a matter of fact, you're going to help me do what I'm doing, and then I'm going to just get you to go to hell right along with me. Can you imagine? That's how the devil looking at all of us. I'm going to take you to hell with me. Because if I got to be there, somebody got to be there with me too. And that's his goal. That's his ultimate goal. But but guess what? All of us, just, if the devil came up to all of us and said to us, I'm going to take you to hell with me, then we'll say, oh, no, you ain't. So he know that. So he never approaches that way. He's always going to approach us in a in a, in a, in, a, in a seductive in a in, in a way that just you won't even realize he's coming at you. And before you know it, you're being drawn in, and you're being drawn in. Then you find yourself all caught up. The pride of life. The other thing. What is the pride of life? Or the pride in possession. It refers to both the inward attitude and the outward boasting because of an obsession with one's status or possessions. So in this day and age we're living in, our status and possession is killing us because that's really what the pride of life is mainly about for us in this day and age. And can I tell you a little secret? Facebook is killing us when it comes down to pride of life. Why do you go on Facebook? Usually to brag about something. Usually let people know how you got it going on. Usually let people know, hey, this is what I got going. How often do we get on Facebook and tell a testimony about what Jesus did for somebody or what Jesus did for you or how Jesus has blessed somebody or how Jesus has saved somebody? How often we get on Facebook and do that? We never do that. We get on Facebook and say, mm, girl, on the beach today. Yes, we going on vacation, Mm, vacation girl, that's bragging, you don't want to, I know you don't like that, that's bragging, why I got to let everybody know what I'm doing, What, what, what is that all about, we never used to do that, as a matter of fact, you know what I look at and I'm like, 
this is the, these are the burdens that I carry, and they're the Lord's, but, but once you get connected with God, it makes you a part of it. And so here's the burden that I'm carrying that we don't realize the, some of the things that we're involved in. Like, for instance, long time ago, we wasn't putting anything on Facebook because there was no Facebook. And now we have Facebook to brag about how good we live in, to brag about all that we're doing, to brag about look at this, and to brag about look at that. And I'm saying the devil has allowed or we have allowed the devil to introduce something to us that now is making us prideful. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how I'm living. And that's not what God's intention is for us. The Bible wants us to be humble. God called us to be humble. He didn't call us to brag about all what's going on. If any bragging should go on, we should brag on him. Anybody bragging on Jesus? Uh, Help me, somebody. We need to brag on Jesus, not brag on about whatever we have. Because guess what? The Bible says our life is but a vapor that appeared for a little time, then vanishes away. Hey, Hey, let me tell you, if God don't give us life, if God don't give us health and strength, what do we have? It is said that your health is your first wealth. No health. You can't obtain nothing else. Our health is what is the number one requirement for anything to get accomplished. We must have health. And so only God is responsible to keep you healthy. God is the one that's responsible to keep life in your body. Nobody else. Brag on him. Said, man, God is so good. I know today I'm only here because of God. I know I'm only living because of God. And I want somebody to know on Facebook today that I'm only living because of the grace of God. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. Thanks to the grace of God. When are we going to put that on Facebook? Love. The world targets attitudes. When the Bible says, love not the world, it's talking about don't get a worldly attitude. Don't get a worldly craving. Don't let lust and pride get into you. Because we, we don't realize, the Bible says, and, I, and I'm, and I'm going to be finishing just a little bit here. The Bible says that Satan is the prince and the power of the airways. You know what that means? When we're thinking about the world, when we're talking about the world, we're not talking about people. We're not talking about people. We're not talking about the creation of God. When we talk about the world, we're talking about the system that guides our world. And the system that guides our world is man-made. Devil get involved. Guess what? The devil influence man to make guidelines and laws that's anti-God. That's what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about be not of the world. It's talking about don't go with the systems of our world. We're co- Listen, this is one of the reasons why, ah, help me Jesus, here is why it's important to follow Jesus. All of us are fallible. Nobody in here is perfect. Nobody in the world is perfect. And so we're all going to do things that's wrong. And so if we allow ourselves to be the the lawgiver and lawmaker of our life, then we're going to fail many times because those that are making the laws, they are failing themselves. How can failing people make something that's unfailing? It's not possible. So People that are establishing and giving us guidelines on how to live in this world, they are going to make mistakes, which means when you follow their direction, you are going to make mistakes. But it doesn't have to be that way. This is why God says, love not the world, be not of the world. Because what he's saying is, listen, creation I did. It's all wonderful. Enjoy creation. I've created the seas. I created the trees. I created the grass. I create those things. So enjoy them. I created the wind, I created the sun, I created, enjoy them. But the system that's governing mankind is faulty and got a big problem. I didn't create that. And that's what will destroy us. The system that is directing us in this world. And so the system is messing with our attitude. The system is messing with our craving. The system is messing with lust and pride in us. 
the system is what God is saying we can't get involved in. So I'm here to tell you, check and see what you're giving your affections to or who you're giving your affection to. Is it the system? Is it yourself? Is it the things of this world? What is it that you're giving your affection to? And so God understands that we're all exposed to this world. We're all exposed to the system. We're all exposed in a certain way. And so God understands that. So here is what he says. If you live according to the systems of the world, you will never be able to spend eternity with me. If you live according to the systems of this world, you can't be with me because I'm not of that world. My world is not here. And so God is saying, I understand you're exposed to certain things. I understand that you were brought up this way and raised this way and it affects how you live and how you guide your life. I understand all that. But I'm giving you an opportunity to not stay that way. And that's why the Bible says that in in John chapter 3 verse 5, the Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so God is saying, it doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what you was exposed to. It doesn't matter how you've been living. It doesn't matter what your affection has gone to. I'm telling you, you can change it all around by being born again of the water and of the spirit, repenting of your sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, and being filled with the spirit. He's saying, you You don't have to live the way you've been exposed to. You don't have to live the way people have shown you. You don't have to live the way you've always lived. I've got a better way for you, but you've got to start all over for the ways that you live. That's not my way. I will show you my way if you will be born again. That's what he's saying. You don't have to stay that way. It's easy. We could have said, man, it's not my fault. I was born into a home and was raised this way. Matter of fact, they believe something totally different from what the Bible teach. God said, that's all fine. He knew that would happen. He knew so many of us would be in that kind of situation. But the good news is he says, you don't have to remain that way. You have the choice to make. Will you become born again and live according to the ways that God wants you to live? In Colossians, here's where I'm going and we're going to finish up here. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. What we read earlier, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So if we, if we be risen with Christ, then we will be able to reign with Christ. And so. When you get born again, one of the things about baptism that makes it right, it's, it's us identifying with Jesus Christ. Jesus was killed and buried, put in a tomb. When you give your life to God, you die and get buried. How does that work? When you repent of your sins, what you're saying is, God, I recognize how I've been living. I recognize that I've been living according to the worldly system. I recognize that I've been living to please myself and to whatever my eye sees I wanted, whatever my eye saw I wanted, and whatever I felt like I just just did whatever I felt like. And so God says you have to kill that lifestyle of living. And so when we repent of our sins, what we're saying is, I'm going to die to those lifestyles. I'm going to die to how I've been living. I, I realize how I've been living is not pleasing to God, so I'm going to give my life to God. How do you do that? You have to denounce that lifestyle by repentance. And so you repent like this. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I realize the life that I've been living is not pleasing. It's a worldly life. It's a life to please myself. It's a life to do what I want. And so I realize by living like that, I can't get to heaven. And so I want to get to heaven. So I'm asking you today to forgive me of the way that I've been living that was not right and pleasing to you. And when you do that, you begin to name the things you were doing that wasn't pleasing to him. That's in your own private time. You don't need to do that in front of nobody. When you do that, then you get baptized in water. And so now you get baptized in water, you get submerged underwater. That's the burial. The repentance 
was the dying. The baptism, when you go underwater, you look at someone getting baptized, it looks like they get buried under the water. They go underneath, completely under the water, and you don't see them, and then they come right up. So they're raised up. That's the process of being born again. Then God says, I will fill you with my spirit. My spirit will then now help you to live the life that I intended for you to live. You don't have the strength to live the way I want you to live on your own. It's only by my help can you live right. It's only by my help can you talk right. It's only by my help can you do this. You can't do it by yourself. This is why people don't realize we say, I'll start going to church when I get myself together. You can't get yourself together. That's why you need to go to church. If you could get yourself together, you'd have done it. Because how many things we have gone through in life that said, I just don't want to deal with that again. So if we could have got ourselves together, we'd have been got ourselves together. We cannot get ourselves together without Jesus Christ. The other day, I talked about, well, let, let, me, let me finish up here. And so God says we must be born again in order to experience death and raised up with him and walk in a new life. So we're dying to the old life and we're living in a new life. So when you give your life to God, it's, it's complex because you're saying no longer I'm this person and from this point on I'm going to be another person. So you're dying to your old self and living to the new self. The Bible says in Colossians 3, And two, set your affections on the things above, not the things on the earth. Now, that's it right there. That's that's the text today that if you don't remember anything else I say, that's Bible. Set your affections on the things that are above and not the things on the earth. Now, think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. I was teaching this Thursday about the tabernacle. For those of you that don't know the tabernacle, God said, I want you all to set up a tent called a tabernacle. And that's where I want my people to meet me and my presence will be there and I will fellowship with them. The reason why he decided he needed a a, a tabernacle established was this. The way how his people at that time was living their life, it was sinful and it was just, just a mess. You had people doing evil, some doing good, some doing evil, some doing good. And so those were all his people. And God stepped back and says, how am I going to dwell with an unclean people? How can I have fellowship with unclean people? How can I commune with people that are unholy? I am holy. I am pure. I am clean. I can't have relationship with anyone that's unclean. And so God says, I'm going to give Moses a plan to establish a tabernacle, which will be a place that they can come to meet me, where people that meet me in that tabernacle, they will be clean. And so everyone that came into that tabernacle, they had to clean themselves up to come so they can have fellowship with God. Well, this is why Hebrews 10.25 says, fail not to assemble yourselves with, 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 with God's people as we see the day of the Lord approaching that much more. Why is it saying that? Because if our affections will be on God, then the only way to keep our affections on God is to assemble ourselves with people that are trying to be with God we missed it when it came down to church we think that uh, somebody is making us go to church and why do I have to go to church and why is church you know every time I turn around church 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 well listen I'll apologize in advance that some people have distorted what church is supposed to be about so I understand sometimes people are saying I don't know about church yes some people have distorted and made a mockery of God's church the way they represented but for the ones that are doing it right you need to make sure you try to hook up with them every time is a chance to hook up because that's how you're going to garner affections for the things that are above. The church is heavenly. It's not earthly. And when you come to church and we worship God, we have a heavenly experience. And the only way to get a heavenly experience is by coming together and worshiping God. And that will help us to put our affections on Him. 
we, we got to realize what church is about. It's not to control your life. It's not to waste your time. It's to get you going in the right direction to put your affections on God. That's why he's saying, fail not to assemble yourselves. We need to assemble ourselves as, as people of God, as frequently as we can. Why? Because our affections is supposed to be on God. How can we get to heaven by just living like it don't exist and expect to one day, oh, boop, we're in heaven. God don't work like that. We're going to have to figure out how to get a little bit of heaven on earth before we get to heaven. We have to get a little bit of heaven on earth before we get to heaven. And so how do we do that? By coming to church and coming and dwelling together. Before I started preaching, the presence of God was moving. That don't happen at people's house all the time. It's some special people that get that going at their house. They really, really locked in. Most of the times what you saw this morning is only going to be when you come together. When people come together and say, I want to seek the things that are above. I want to seek the things that are of God. God is trying to prepare us to spend eternity with him in heaven. And the only way we're going to do it is if we put our affection on the things that are above. And I'm almost finished. Setting their affection or their heart on things above means striving to put heaven's priority into daily practice. Heaven's priority into daily practice. We're trying to live how we want and still make sure we secure heaven and it doesn't work that way. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But we're having a hard time doing that because it somehow don't seem to work out to put God first and then put everything else after. But God says if you seek me first, I will provide everything that you need. There's two portions of scripture that is so vital to our life. Matthew 6 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It means when you seek God, everything that you need, God will provide it. Then there's a scripture in Psalms 37 verse 4 that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what that one is? Whatever you would like, whatever you desire, he will give it to you. So God has a plan for us, and we don't even realize it, that when we seek him first, He will give us what we need. When we seek him first, we will receive what we desire. God will not withhold any good thing from you. We think that if we live for God, we won't get what we want. Oh, baby, I can't tell you. God is so good. And if you give God everything that you want to give him, that you have to give him, God will see to it that you get what you desire. Quick story and I'm closing. I've traveled a little bit. I thank God for all the traveling that I've done most of my traveling is since I've been living for God but I've always heard that San Diego have the best weather in the country San Diego have the best weather in the United States that's what I've always heard I've been dying to go to San Diego I want to go to San Diego I want to go to San Diego I want to go to San Diego I said man I want to go that's my desire that don't have nothing to do with God nothing I just want to go to San Diego I want to go check the weather out I want to go see all the nice places down in San Diego. They got nice restaurants. I want to go hang out in San Diego. I just want to go. And so the other day, I got an email. Some of the guys within the organization emailed me and says, Hey, brother, we've got a committee that we want to put you on to help us because we think you can help us out on this committee. And our first meeting is in November, November 29th in San Diego. (laughs) You can bring your wife, too. I don't have to pay for it. I'm just rolling. What's what's my point to that? When I went to Israel, when I went to Israel in February of 2014, was it? When I went to Israel, I paid $500 to stay in five-star hotels and meals every day and tour buses carrying me around. $500. I'm only telling you that to tell you 
Don't be afraid to live for God. He's got you. He will take care of you. Everything that you desire, everything that you need, God says, I will take care of it. Just set your affections on the things above. Because when you're taking care of my business, I will take care of your business. Somehow we don't want to believe that. But I'm living proof of it that I had loved to travel and I love to get around. And I didn't know that when I started living for God, I still would be to do all the things that I like to do God is blessing me that I can do all the things that I like to do living for him so the scripture says seek those things that are above set your affections set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. And so the question today is, where are you giving your affections? What are you giving your affections to? Who are you giving your affections to? Because God wants to know, he's already put it in a book, set your affections on me. We don't know everything else that's in heaven. We heard about no more crying, no more dying. The main thing we heard about that's in heaven is that God is on the throne in heaven. So guess what? When it says set your affections on the things that are in heaven above, just set your affections on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what you know is in heaven. We don't know about anything that's in heaven. Set your affections on Jesus Christ. Let your actions, let all your priorities, let everything that you do be because of your affection for where you're planning on going to make heaven your home. If you plan to make heaven your home, all your affections should be there. This is why the scripture says, lay not up for yourselves treasures in earth. You must lay up for yourself treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, your heart will be there. So when you begin to invest in the kingdom of God, what did they say back in the day? When men used to go to the courthouse and trying to say, that ain't my baby, the judge used to say, just feed him until he look like you. <laughs> you know why? The, you know why the, it was an old school way of thinking. And here's why the judge said it. The judge knew whatever you invested in, you will love it to death. That's what the judge knew. I ain't saying it was right or wrong. I don't have nothing to do with that. I'm just telling you what the judge knew. The judge knew whatever you deposited, whatever you put a lot of interest in, whatever you put a lot of effort in, whatever you put a lot of money into, you're going to love that thing. You're going to be a part of that thing because you've invested a whole lot. And all of you that are good parents, you know if you've invested in your child, you're going to be there to the very end. You're going to always be with them because you invested too much in them. God has invested a lot in you. And that's why he's so focused on trying to get you to set your affections on him because he doesn't want his, his, his um, in, interest and investment in you go away. Stand with me to your feet. Where are your affections? Who's getting your affections? Who's getting your affections? Can you look around and think around in your mind where your affections have gone? Where is your affection? Where do they lie? Setting your mind on things above mean concentrating on the eternal rather than the temporal. Letting their thoughts dwell in the realm of Christ. We got to let our thoughts be dwelling in the realm of Christ. We got to focus on Jesus. Somebody say focus on Jesus. That's what we need to do. We need to focus on Jesus. Paul stressed commitment of the whole person, not mindless body discipline. We have to put our whole heart, whole mind in focus in Jesus. Love heavenly things. Study them. Let your heart be entirely engrossed by them, heavenly things. Now that you are converted to God, act in reference to heavenly things as ye did formerly. Let me tell you this. When I was not a Christian, I enjoyed this world. Big sister. You ain't my big sister, but older sister. Agreed to this. You know I loved the world. I was the king of the world. I did everything in the world. And she knew it. She knew all my dirt. She knew all my mess. I used her a lot to help me do dirt. Oh. 
she was when her and I was rolling, she just did all. I said, she we a mess. <laughs> she know who I am, what I used to be like. She did all the dirt with me. She know when it came down to um, dance hall. I'm, I, I had every dance hall cassette or tape there was of the most recent everything. Nobody was better than me in keeping up with what was going on. I was the best at it. But because I was so good at living in the world, I said, I will not allow my worldly life to be more intense than my spiritual life. I got to give more to Jesus than I did to myself. I got to give more to this new life than I did to that old life. And that's what God is reaching for. That whatever you was doing before you came to Christ, will you do a little bit more now that you understand who Christ is? Because what we were doing in that old life, it wasn't profiting us nothing but our own selfish fleshly desires. That's all it was profiting us. Just what we wanted. And now when we live for Jesus, it's going to profit us eternally life, why wouldn't I give more now to this life than the one that I lived previously? Ah, somebody need to think about what God is saying today. Where is your affection? Who are you giving your infection to? What is stealing your heart? What is stealing you away from God? What is taking your mind off of God? What is stopping you from living for God? What is hindering you from giving everything to God? Listen, you have Everything to gain and nothing to lose when you live for God. You don't have anything to lose when you give everything to God. You don't have nothing to lose when you put everything into God. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. We talked about in Sunday school this morning. Noah. God told him was to build an ark. Because it was going to rain and destroy the whole earth. And he says, while you're building the ark, I want you to preach to the people and tell them that it's going to rain one day and destroy the whole world. And if they don't want to be destroyed with the world, then they're going to have to get inside this ark. And Noah preached, preached, preached. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. You need to get in this ark because it's going to rain. And people was like, I hear you, old man. And they just kept on living the way they were living. I hear you, old man. And they just kept on living the way they want to live. Now, God told us to live by faith and not by sight. He said, walk by faith and not by sight. But we tend to always walk by sight. We tend to always walk according to what we desire, according to what we see. And God is saying, you don't need to see it. If I said it, it's a done deal. You don't have to see it. Don't look for things when I already told you it's going to happen. If I said it's going to rain and there is no cloud in the sky, it is going to rain. I don't care if no cloud in the sky. It's going to rain because God said it's going to rain. And so the people wanted to look, live for God according to their sight. And so did you know that God told Noah, You just build the ark. I will close the door when it's time to close the door. Did you know Noah couldn't close the door? So God decided when the door of the ark would be closed. And the day came when God closed the ark. And when he closed the ark door, all the people felt a raindrop. When they felt the raindrop, They realized that what they were being told is now true. They ran to the ark, but the door was already closed. We can't determine when we want to live for God. When God allows you to hear a preacher preach his word, that's the time you say, I got to give my life to God. I don't have time to wait because when I feel the raindrop, it is too late. When I feel the raindrop, the time has already ran out. When you think it's time to give your life to God, it may have just been too late. When they felt the raindrop, they all charged for the ark. But the door was already closed. Nobody got in. No children. No mom that was pregnant. No dad that did really good for his family. Nobody got in. Because the door was already shut. 
Because God is not interested in you living by sight. When you think, okay, I think this is time. Because here's the clear sign. God is saying, forget about the sign. Obey my word. Don't look for signs. Obey my word. My word is what I want you to obey, not signs. Because signs don't tell the story. Because I can have no cloud in the sky. And it still will rain in 10 minutes if I want it to. Because I'm God. Somebody need to give their life to God today. Somebody need to make a decision that this is my day, Lord. I need to commit my life to you. I can't give my affections to things that will lead me astray. I can't give my affections to things that have no good ending. I can't give my affections to my flesh and to my eyes and my pride. I can't give my affections to those things because those are the things that will give me nothing. Emptiness. The, 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 the man of God, Solomon, says vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Because the only thing that's not vanity is the things that you do for Christ. Only what you do for Christ will last. So only when we do the things for God will we end up reaping eternal life. If you feel like God has touched your heart today, why don't you take a step forward, come to the altar just for a moment. And just talk to the Lord. Ask Him for direction. Surrender your life to God today if you feel like that's what He's calling for you. You just need to give God your whole heart, your mind, and your soul. He brought you here today to tell you, put your affections on me. Give me your affections. I will never deceive you. I will never mislead you. I will always please you and benefit your will, your life from my will. Father, in the name of Jesus. Will somebody surrender to God today? Will somebody give their life to God today? Will somebody say, this is my day. I'm giving my life to God. You can't live how you want. There is no gray area in living for God. You either obey him or you don't. We can't kind of obey God. We can't kind of live for God. It's either we live for God or we don't. And God is calling you today to say, will you set your affections on me? Will somebody take a step of faith today and say, God, I'm giving you all my life. Even if you was a a Christian, but you just haven't been committed, you just haven't been faithful to God, you need to renew your faithfulness in God today. Because God is wanting to help you. God is wanting to change your life. God is wanting to bless you. God is wanting to prepare, oh, your final place of heaven. He wants to make sure you're ready and prepared to spend all eternity with him. This world will pass away. This world will not always be in existence. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away. It's just talking about the skies, our overhead, heaven and earth, the overhead. This earth will pass away, but God's word will not pass away. God's reign will be forever, for all eternity. And only when we put our trust in God will we live eternally with him. Oh, somebody call on the name of the Lord. Take a moment and just talk to God and say, God, I'm ready to give my life. I'm ready to surrender my heart. God, I don't want to take any more chances with my life because I don't know how much time I have. I don't know how much time I have. I want to give my life to you today, Lord. I will surrender to you, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, will somebody begin to tell God, whatever you want, God, I will do it. Whatever you ask, God, I will do it. Come on, talk to him just for a moment. I'll I'll let you go in just a moment. Just talk to the Lord one second. Make a commitment to him. Call on his name today. Surrender to him today. You have heard the word of God. Will you make that change now and says, I'm done living according to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'm done living to please me. I know if I live for God, God will bless me. God will take care of me. God will give me what I need. He will give me my heart's desire, and he will give me also the needs that I have in my life. Will somebody surrender to Jesus today? Will somebody call on the name? of the Lord today and say Jesus I surrender I surrender to you Lord God I surrender to you oh will you put your affections to him give him your affections all of your desire your mind your heart your soul 
give it to Jesus. And Jesus will take good care of your heart. Jesus will take good care of your soul. Jesus will take good care of you if you will just give him everything. He will not let you down. You will be blessed beyond your understanding if you will just surrender to God. You will experience a life that you didn't think you could experience. But you need to surrender to God today. You need to give your heart to him today. Say, God, today I want you to have my heart. I want you to have my mind. Oh, somebody say, give me you, Jesus. Come on. Let's go. Bring you in. 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 Say, God, bring me in. God, bring me in because I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. Say, give me you. Give me you. Everything else can wait. Everything else can wait. Say, give me you. Give me you. Hope I'm not too late.